All right, Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse number 13, and it reads as follows. When James came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever shall thou loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man what, that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things and be uh, the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have to learn from. Thank you for this church we have here to worship you, to learn this word, to honor, glorify, edify you, all these things. Speak me now as, as you, you know, hopefully make me a channel of your word, to speak your word, to share your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, you know, today I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about our relationship with the church. But as usual, when I start thinking of stuff, I realize I have much more to say than just one thing, right? So it turns out this, this message will go on for a little bit. It'll be a short series, right? About, more generally, the church, right? So instead of, so today we start off talking about a little bit of the background. Before we get into our relationship with the church, we talk about what is the church, right? Because I think this issue is something that is still meaningful. You know, a lot of you guys are saying, you know, Norman, I've been to church for, you know, years and years, decades. I know what the church is. And that might be true for many of you guys here. Hopefully it's true for many of you guys here. Maybe some people, you haven't been out that long. Maybe some people, you're not even part of a church right now, right? But I think it bears repeating and reminding, especially in this day and age, where the church, the idea of the church, has become more and more confused and complicated by what other people are doing, what other people are saying. So I think it makes sense to have a little bit of a reminder, even if for some of you guys this is old news and we know the answers already, that we remember, what is the church? What is God's church? What is this? What are we doing? Why are we sitting here on Sunday morning? This is the church. What is it? So we'll be going back into a little bit of the background. We'll be looking into what the Bible says about church. And you know, these verses that sometimes we might have glossed over and not think about. We'll be looking at a little bit of detail. And, and eventually we'll talk about what is our relationship, our relationship to the church. But again, before we can talk about that, we need the elementary thing. The background. 
the simple question of what is the church? Do we understand what is the church? The church is not what popular culture thinks of as a church. You think you ask the man in the street, they'll tell you what a church is, right? It's the building, has a steeple, the stained glass windows, right? The fancy pews and all these type of things. Of course, you notice we don't have any of these things in this room right here, right now, right? That's not what the church is. The church is not a building. It's not a type of structure. You ask people on the street, they might think about a church as a set of traditions. Oh, the church is the place where people get married. That's where you have funerals. And what do you do on Easter? Oh, it's these people that wear a certain type of clothes or sing a certain type of song or do a certain uh, ritual. Again, that's not what the church is. The church isn't a ritual. It isn't. Uh, this uh, a stereotype of things that people do, a place people get married, all these things like that. No, no, no. That's not what the church really is. That's not what the church really is. When we talk about the church in the context of the Bible and what God has taught us about the church, it's quite simple what the church is. The church refers to those that are saved by Christ. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. The church is a community of all those who are saved. You guys are saved. You guys believe in Jesus Christ. You have Jesus Christ in your heart. Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're part of the church. The people across the street in some other church where they say that we believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Savior for my sins, they're part of the church. The people in China who say that, they're part of the church. The people in Russia who say that, they're part of the church. The people that live a hundred years ago that swore that and said that from their heart, yes, Jesus saved me from my sins, they're part of the church. The church is a community of the believers. It's the people. It's the people. Right? The church is all the citizens, so to speak, of the kingdom of God. Right? We all, when we get saved, right, we become citizens of God's kingdom. We're all going to go to heaven one day. It's kind of like when you become like a citizen of the United States. You used to be, you know, a citizen of China. You were born in China, for example, right? Oh, you take the naturalization test, right? And you pass the test, you get sworn in. Now you're an American citizen. Now you can say everyone, I'm not China anymore. Now I'm American. That's the way it ought to be when we join the church, right? We get saved. Hey, it doesn't matter if I am Chinese, Japanese, black, white, I'm from the United States, I'm from Russia, I'm, you know, this, you know, this ethnic group from wherever, whatever. those don't matter anymore. What matters more? What's the most important label? Where is your citizenship now? Your citizenship is with heaven. It's now I am a Christian. That's what we are. That's how the church is unified across all borders, across all countries, even across time, right? The people back then, they were part of the church, we're part of the church now, people in the future, when we get to heaven even, we'll all be part of this church. That's what the church is. That's what the church is. It is our citizenship. It is who we are. It is our identity. It's our identity. As much as you would say, I'm an American citizen, you would say, now I'm saved, I am a Christian. I am part of God's church. Now, of course, we know, logistically speaking, there's the church that we just spoke of, the great church, the great 
superstructure, the one headed up by Jesus Christ our Lord, and of course there are churches, right? Even in the Bible, it talks about different churches, right? Paul writes to the different churches. They, he, visits, he visits the different churches that he ministers to. There's the church and churches. Because the ch- God's church, for logistical reasons, right, is split up into local assemblies, right? We can't all meet together as one huge national worldwide church. Instead, we meet together as local groups in local areas. But the idea should be, should be that the church is the same, right? That each place that calls it a small local church ought to be the same subset of that bigger church. That's the way God wanted it to be, right? That whether, that, you know, back in the day, whether it be the church in Antioch, or the church in Jerusalem, church in Corinth, right? That they wanted to all be unified. Ah, this is the same church, the same doctrine, right? The same everything. This is all just part of the same body of Christ, so to speak, right? That's what the imagery that, that uh, Paul uses, right? The same body of Christ. Shouldn't it be today that the same thing applies? That whether you go to this church, the church across the street, the church across town, the church across the globe, that it should be the same. That it should be the same. We're all just subsets of the greater church. But we know this. We know that today, that's not necessarily the case. Think about it this way. When someone asks you this question, someone comes up to you and says, oh, you know, I just recently accepted Christ in my heart. I'm ready to worship now. Can you give me a recommendation of where I should start going to church? That's a loaded question nowadays, isn't it, right? We would like to say this. Say, oh, friend, you just go find a building that says church, and you go there, and you'll be A-okay, right? Now, of course, you know that we would never say that, right? When someone says that to you, you start stressing on thinking, oh, you've got to be careful. You can't go to that thing. That's not the right thing. Oh, don't go to that one. That might not be a good church or whatever. Oh, this one, they teach the wrong thing. Don't go there, right? That's the way it's come down to in this day and age, right? We've reached a generation, sadly, where... Not everything that called itself a church is actually doing the work of God's greater church. It's a sign of the times, sadly. You know, we live in the United States where we are lucky, on the one hand, to have the freedom of religion, right? That anywhere you go, we are free to worship God as we please. But likewise, people are free to start up their own so-called church, and do whatever it is they want, right? Even if it's not what God wants. And slap the name all over the building and say, this is a church. But that's not necessarily what God wants and the way God wants it. There's a few certain trends, a few certain trends I'll call out that are not, that are not the church. The first thing that I see a lot, a day, a lot nowadays among people, especially young people, you know, young people, they, you know, millennials, the, the famous millennials, right, is that people decide that rather than having one church, I want to have my own personal church, my own personal relationship with God, so to speak, right? Because nowadays, 
It's so easy. We live in the technology age, right? And we live in the age, not only technology, but the age of me, right? Like I said, the millennial generation. Focus on the things of what I like or what I need or what I want. So they look at stuff like a church, right? And they will look at it and they say, you know what? You know, I like this church kind of, but oh, this church, they only sing like the old school hymns. I don't like those hymns, right? So I'm going to go and listen to my own music, right? And I'm going to go go on my iPhone or whatever, right? And download the Christian pop music that I like, right? Or like I go to this, this one and it has the music I like, but oh, that pastor is so boring. Uh, I only like some of his messages. I'm going to go find my own messages. I go online. Now the day, there's a million messages online. And I will go listen to some other message. Or I will go, you know, live stream the church, right? Like the cyber church is a big deal nowadays, right? Oh, I can live stream it. I don't need to be there and do this. I can pick and choose what I want to hear and when I want to hear it and how I'm going to do it and just the parts that I like. If I don't like it, I can hit stop. Nah, I don't like it. I'll hit play on the next thing, right? The other thing. That's not what the church is. When you are picking and choosing and grabbing only certain things, that becomes your choice. It's not God's church anymore, isn't it? It is your pick, your church. But that's not what the church is supposed to be. It's not your church and what you want. God wants us, wants us to gather together precisely because, because there's a lot of stuff that you might not agree with, right? To say something like this, to say, oh, I just want my own personal relationship, I'm doing it on my own, is as crazy as saying, oh, I, I am connected to the head of the church, Jesus Christ, but I'm not connected to the body. You can't just have a head only, right? You need that whole body. You need the church for the relationships in the church, for devotions in the church, right? The spiritual community of the church. Those people that say, oh, I don't need the church, I can find my way on my own or whatever, those are the ones that are the most likely to forget about the things that God teaches the most, that require this community. Stuff like baptism, stuff like the Lord's Supper. Doesn't he all order that to us? You know, try doing the Lord's Supper when you're doing the cyber church, streaming it at home, right? Try having corporate worship. Try doing serving God together. Try having accountability to other Christians. That's the thing. When you're off on your own, there is no accountability, is there? There's no brothers and sisters. There's no pastor telling you, hey, you're doing this wrong. Fix your life. Oh, by doing it their own way, they've made themselves anonymous. When you're anonymous, you can do whatever you want. But that's not what the church is about. The church isn't about doing whatever you want. Here's the second thing. The second thing, I think, is a modern trend that's confusing people about the church and worshiping God and so on. The focus on the new and the exciting. Look at some of these new churches nowadays. It seems like every church, their idea that's popping up nowadays is that we have to have a new gimmick, right? We want to be the new church, the, uh, the radical church, the awesome church, the fantastic church. We got something different. We got something you'd never seen before, right? Come check us out. We've got this wild whatever thing, right? The focus on this church is perhaps is too much so saying, oh, we just got to be different. We can't just do what other folks have done. We got to think of this crazy, ridiculous, 
uh, amazing whatever thing, right? And that's how people get into all these stuff that, you know, who knows? You know, on the fundamental, on the fundamental level, there's little things like, you know, Melvin talks about in the past, like, oh, why do these churches go for, like, new style music and stuff like that, right? And that's just a small example. There's much bigger examples I'm sure you're aware of if you've ever seen people passing out literature about these other churches and their worship style and whatever, right? And much more than just something like their music. But that's kind of a symbol of that, right? That we're going to try something new, something different. Something, uh, something fantastic. And they're always focused on all this, you know, different stuff. And losing sight, losing sight of the most fundamental things of what the church ought to be and how the church ought to operate. You see, what God wants isn't the greatest church, the amazing church, the fantastic church. God just wants us all to be an ordinary church. And that's what I would say this church is. You know what? I'll say Chinese Bible Church, we are not a great church. We're not an awesome church. We don't have fantastic new things. We don't have the greatest ministry in the world. We don't have newfangled stuff. In fact, a lot of our stuff is old, old, old school, old teachings, old everything. But guess what? That's what God wants. What's the ordinary church the simple basic ordinary church so that when people ask like i said the question if someone came to you and asked you oh where can you go to church where's a good place my hope would be that we could point them to somewhere and say oh that's just a regular church over there that's an ordinary church you don't need to tell them where to find the fantastic one the amazing one the newfangled one let's find the ordinary church is this church an ordinary church? Hopefully. Hopefully we can say that. Hopefully other churches can say that they want to follow that, what the Bible says. The ordinary church, the ones that, fo- that follow the Lord, that honor the Bible, a place for people to worship, where we have sound doctrine, where we have good music, where we have love, where we have holiness, where we have joy, where we have shepherding, where we have the gospel, where we have all those things. Right? We ought not to be focused on the new and the exciting, the thing that makes us happy, but instead, what God says. So let's get into the verses today. Let's get into the verses today a little bit while we still have some time. Oh my goodness, I talked so much. We might not even get through even part of this. Maybe this will extend into part two and three and four or whatever, right? Let's look at part, the beginning here. The ordinary church. What is the ordinary church like? Number one key thing. The ordinary church is Christ. Centered is Christ centered. Let's look at the verses here. In chapter 16, we read verses 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, right? Jesus asked in verse 13, Whom do men, meaning who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? Answer from the disciples. Well, is that some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, some Jeremiah, and or one of the other prophets. So they're talking about what other people are saying about Jesus. So other people, they say all these things. You might be John the Baptist, you might be a prophet, you might be this, you might that. Verse 15, Jesus asked, Who say ye that I am? And Peter, answering for everyone, says this, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answers and says what? Verse 18. This is where God, Jesus, talks about the church. If we want to find about what the church is, who better to learn from than Jesus Christ himself? He says this. He says, I say unto thee, 
Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is this rock? What is this rock? Now, if you're the Catholic Church, you misinterpret this verse. And you say, aha, the rock is Peter. Peter is who God has built, Jesus wants to build his church on. And Catholic Church believes that. But look at the context. We read this whole thing from verse 13 down. What is this rock? What is this foundation? The foundation is what Peter said. What was his answer? What was his great answer? He said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Thou art Christ. That's the foundation of the church. That's the rock of the church. The church is about Christ, first and foremost and only. Christ is the anointed one. Christ is our salvation. Christ is the Son of God. When Peter says, thou art the Christ, the word Christ isn't like, you know, Jesus' last name. Christ means the Messiah, right? The church is supposed to recognize that about Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the first and foremost thing. You want to tell if something is a church or not? The ordinary church or not? The number one question to ask, the most important thing to ask, is what do they say about Jesus Christ? If they say anything else other than he is our one and only Lord and our one and only way to salvation, that church is wrong. The church is about Christ. It's not about you. Some people get this wrong idea that, oh, the church is about helping me, about fixing me, delivering to me all the things I need, right? Like it's some place for motivational speaking. Oh, it's some place that helps me cure my addictions, right? It's some place where I can go get some high or whatever. Not to say that those things might not happen when you go to church, but that's not what the church is about. The church is about Jesus and Jesus alone. A gathering of believers that say, you are the Christ, you are the Son of God, and everything ought to be Christ-centered. People ask, why do we at Chinese Bible Church talk so much about Jesus? Again, people say, the gospel is up. Because we're supposed to. That's the mission of the church. It's not about anything else. A lot of churches get off on all these side, extraneous uh, tasks or whatever. That's not what it's all about. It's only about Jesus and doing God's will. When we do God's will, when we do and speak Jesus and Jesus' truth, that's when the church is doing right. And all that other stuff that people are looking for, guess what? That's when they will follow. People get the order wrong. People think it's about me. Right? I come here for me, and then I'll learn about, and then, oh, Jesus comes after. We come here for Jesus. We come for Jesus, and we get the blessing from, from being at the church of Jesus. And that's when the congregation is blessed. Because we uphold Jesus, we honor Jesus, we make it about Jesus. When you have other churches, so-called churches, that don't honor Jesus, they don't put Jesus in his proper place as the head of the church, the one and only Son of God. You wind up with things like, you know, the Jehovah's Witness Church or the Mormon Church, right? Where it's like, oh, well, Jesus is not really the guy, right? Well, that's wrong. That's 100% wrong. Jesus is the guy. This is his church.
This is his church. That's the most basic doctrine of any church. The most basic doctrine is Christ. Let's look at what he said in verse 18. When he tells Peter, he says this about his church. What does he say? He says, I will build my church. That's the quote. Each word is significant, right? Each word is significant. I, I, who is I Jesus talking about? Jesus himself. He's going to do it. This is Jesus's church. Not your church, not my church, Jesus' church. Who gets all the people saved and into the body of Christ? Not you, not me. We don't do any saving. We didn't die on the cross for anyone's sins. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And only through Jesus is the church built up. Is it not? We help the best we can, right? To witness and to invite people out and share the gospel. But only Jesus can change your heart. Only Jesus can forgive your sins. It is Jesus' church. He says, I. Number word, the second word he uses is will. The church is something he will build. He will do it. It's not a maybe thing. It's not a, uh, I might do it, or I can do it, but I'll think about it. Jesus promises us that this church, the one under his name, will do his will. That's what we have to do. That's what we're called to do. That's what the church must do. I will build. Build is a word that's in the present tense. It's not that, oh, I built my church and here it is for you guys. Jesus says, I will build it. He's telling Peter that this is something that's going to continue. It's not limited to his life. Build the church, not just in Jesus' day, but continuing. The church ought to continue to be built today. We, ought, we have to keep on building it. We have to keep on talking about Jesus so that more people know about Jesus, so that more people are added to his church. He commands it. He said it. It's continuing. It's not just ending when Jesus was gone. Oh, that's it. It's done. No, it's continuing. Present tense. I will build. And last thing, my church. He reiterates it. Whose church is it? Not your church, my church, Melvin's church, Nathan's church. No, only Jesus' church. This is my church, Jesus' church. We honor Jesus in the church. Second point. The ordinary church communicates the truth. The truth. In verse 17, in verse 17, when Peter gave that great answer about thou art the Christ, the Son of God, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, Barjona, and Peter, right? Uh, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Jesus is saying that you're blessed because you've accepted God's revelation. What's God's revelation? Now, in his time, the revelation came straight from Jesus Christ. What's the revelation to us today? What's the message for us today? Where is that written down? It's in the Bible, is it not? It's in the Bible. So when Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church, right? That rock is, first of all, that confession of Jesus Christ being Lord and this foundation of this revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, his truth, what Jesus revealed to Peter way back then and the apostles, and what he still reveals to us that thankfully was written down for us, right? We know what Jesus taught the apostles. We know what God taught the church because we have it written down for us in the Bible. 
The ordinary church is a church that follows the Bible. Any church that doesn't follow the Bible is not doing it right. They're doing it the wrong way. If they say, oh, the Bible's good, but we have some other good stuff to look at, some other stuff, it's wrong. If it's the Bible plus the Book of Mormon, that's wrong. There's a reason why, you know, even though there's a lot of good, you know, other Christian literature, when we have our Sunday schools and stuff, we focus on teaching the Bible. We don't need these other study aid or devotional books or other things. Not that there's anything, you know, per se wrong with those things. We want to focus, at least, at least here at church, on the Word of God. The Bible. The Bible ought to be the center of what we preach. It is the truth. It is our basic doctrine, not any other book, not any other teaching. The Bible and the Bible alone. We can't lose sight of that. I think that should be obvious, right? Point three, and maybe this is as far as we can get today, and we'll save point four maybe for next time, right? Point three, ordinary church is disconnected from worldly things. Verse uh, 22 and 23 have some interesting stuff in there. 22 uh, 21, uh, just quickly summarize, I don't have time to read through it all. 21, Jesus talks about how he must uh, die for us, right? That we died and died and raised again the third day. Peter says what? Peter in verse 22 says, no. He rebukes Jesus. Can you believe that? Rebuking your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says, this shall not be. Saying basically, Jesus, you are wrong, right? You're not going to die. This is not going to happen. And verse 23 Jesus calls him what? He says, Satan, thou art an offense to me. This is how he's talking to Peter, right? Thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. He's saying, Peter, you're thinking only about these worldly things. You want me to stay here for these worldly purposes. You don't understand God's purpose. We know God's purpose. He had to die. He had to die for your sins, my sins, everyone's sins. That's why Jesus had to do that, right? Peter didn't understand that. He's too focused on the things of the world. And I thought, oh, we need Jesus here. How can we do it here without Jesus? Translated today, the church is, many churches nowadays are too focused on worldly things and what's going on in the world today. How many churches here today are, spend their time focusing on things like uh, activism, uh, social justice, right? About, you know, even uh, morality, right? Health and wealth, all these type of things. You know, these things might not be bad, right? It might not be a bad thing that we have, tr- that people care about. Oh, we need to fight for racial equality. We had to fight for, you know, uh, uh, traditional family values. We ought to fight for things like that, right? But all these things, these power and political things, guess what? They don't matter to God. They don't matter in God's church. God's church is about what? We just said it a, long, a, long, a few minutes ago. It's about Christ. It's about Christ and sharing Christ. It's not about, oh, can we convince people to be equal? Oh, can we convince people to not like gay marriage or be against abortions or all these things? No. We ought not to spend our time marching for all these earthly things. All these things will come and go. It won't matter, right, in the long term, whether or not there's equality on, on earth. We know there might never be equality on earth, right? Or if there's abortion or not, or all these things, who knows, right? It comes and it goes, whatever. We ought to be focused on only 
What does God want us to do? What is that? We want to focus on Christ. Power, politics, all these things do not matter, right? When the church goes down that path and focuses on that thing, we're going the wrong way. If it's the, even if you're like Martin Luther King, supposedly a preacher, right? He did all these great things, sure. But he also went the wrong way. That he focused on, not Jesus, on a focus on racial equality, right? It's not about all those things, political things and all these things like that. Nope, it's about Christ. All right, we're way over time. We're going to pick up with the rest of this outline next time, whenever it is, a month later, whatever. And we'll talk more about what makes the ordinary church. But right now, we're cut off here and pray, bow for a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you for your church. We want to learn how to be the ordinary church, the Christ-following church, the one that honors the Bible, the one that's focused only on you, God. Uh, we ask that you, hopefully, hopefully this church can be a representative of that, can be an example of that, and hopefully there'll be more churches in the world that also do the same. We're going to pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.